Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. I'm here with Callie Schweikart. She's a certified strength and conditioning specialist from Cold Spring, New York, but she now lives in Nederland, Colorado. Callie developed an interest in health and fitness at a very young age and was always passionate about being active. She played competitive basketball throughout high school and D1 soccer at Boston University before falling in love with obstacle course racing. At just 21 years old, she became one of the youngest females to win an elite Spartan race. She's now a member of the Spartan Pro Team, and she also competes in Hydrox, which is the German race series for heavy strength and running. She recently placed fourth at national championships, and she has lots of competitions coming up in her future. And fun fact, Callie is also a client of mine here at Rise Up Nutrition. So Callie, welcome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to chat. And yeah, it's just been awesome working with you for a while now. And uh, yeah, I want to want to share that experience. Yeah, it's actually long overdue that you and I like do some sort of recording or testimonial. One of the reasons I waited so long because we've been working together for a year and a half now. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think a little more than that, maybe. And if you're listening, a lot of my programs, the ways I help clients, I advertise like trying to get results fast and everything. So we, I work with clients for 12 weeks and try and get them results as fast as possible, which we did do. But there was just so much with you and you being a pro athlete that I knew we were going to continue working together. And I wanted you to get further along in your success story before we <laughs> recorded this. And I think we're there now. Do you think so? Yeah, I, I mean, we're definitely in a spot where, well, first of all, where it was hard to imagine I could be when I started working with you. But yeah, also, there definitely was like, there was so much work done in that first that initial period that yeah, it would have been cool to do a testimonial then. But I think you're right in that there was still so much more we wanted to accomplish. And a lot of that has been accomplished now. So I'm excited to share that story for sure. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think if we did do a 12-week testimonial, it would have been awesome. But this is the story that you want to tell. Yes. Yeah. More, more than me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Well, let's start off first with just you as an athlete, Kelly. What's your favorite thing about obstacle course racing? I like the variety. I've always been just fascinated by fitness in general. I grew up in a very active household and it was the kind of family, like my parents basically got in a workout every morning. And I kind of just grew up thinking that that was what everyone did. I thought that was the thing to do. And it always appealed to me to get active and stay moving. I was fortunate enough to grow up in Cold Spring, New York, which is known for its beautiful hiking trails and being on the Hudson River. So always being outside, hiking, anything like that. And yeah, my my dad was very into fitness and he was my coach. So he would give us a lot of conditioning sessions and soccer. And I just always love that aspect of training. So then when I found obstacle course racing, I realized, hey, here's the sport that requires endurance. It requires speed. It requires coordination, upper body strength, lower body strength, you name it, it's got it. So it makes training fun because you're training kind of, there's so much to train for that it's hard to get bored. And yeah, it's kind of that idea of being an, a well-rounded athlete, which has always appealed to me. Yeah. And you've always, something I always hear you say is that like, you love workouts and working out. And that's kind of like what op obstacle course racing is. It's like turning a workout into a competition in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And when the process is fun, how could you not enjoy it? So for me, yes, I love the training and 
that was something I realized, or I knew it, but it was reinforced during the pandemic was uh, without any racing. I was a okay. (laughs) Like I just loved the training. I was happy with that continuous betterment of myself or goal of bettering myself without really any competitions on the horizon. And obviously now that racing is back, it's been a lot of fun, but um, yeah, it's just, it's a blast. Yeah. I guess so many athletes struggled during the pandemic to keep their motivation, which is totally understandable, but you were like, no, this is what I always do. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I've always been like that. Um, Soccer too. I think because I, I have struggled with performance anxiety, I still do. And in soccer being a goalkeeper, it was definitely at its worst. I never look forward to a soccer game in my life. I had a successful high school career with like the best team I could have ever asked for. And I remember like being like dreading the state championship, but going to practice was like my heaven. Like I loved it. I just loved like working hard and trying to get better. And then when the spotlight was on me, I didn't, it just made it a lot more pressure and a lot less fun. So yeah, OCR is a little different in that it's individual, which I like. So if I'm letting anyone down, it's me um, versus like letting the whole team down. So that's another aspect of it that was different than anything I had done before, just because I grew up playing team sports in basketball and soccer. Yeah. Yeah. And it it is unique for you to have gotten into obstacle course racing at a younger age. It's typically just because it seems like something people kind of get into post-college or like, you know, they do those team sports, but you switched into it. At, you know, while you were in college, correct? Yeah. Um, and that transition came mainly because of a lot of the struggles I'm sure we're going to talk about. But I, like you mentioned in the intro, I was recruited to play soccer for Boston University. And I was there my first year of college and really struggled with homesickness, with an eating disorder, with a lot of things. And um, I decided to take a gap year after that first year to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to play college soccer anymore. And I was kind of desperate to go home. So I just kind of took that break. And it was during that break that my friend from high school who was on my soccer team, um, her name is Kate. Um, and I'll never let her forget it, but she was like, you should try Spartan race. Like, I feel like that's right up your alley. And, uh, she was 100% correct. I fell in love with it right away. So I was lucky to come into it at a young age like that. And I still feel so new to the endurance world, the endurance sports world. Um, and that's been a huge learning process. But yeah, I'm excited to see where I can take it in the years to come because I know endurance athletes, like their prime, if they do it right, is like like late 20s, early 30s, 30s yeah. even mid 30s. So, um, and we have people in this sport still excelling at 40 plus. So that's exciting. Yeah. 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 Because coming from the soccer background and also just kind of, as we were saying, like you like doing workouts and stuff, you have always been a little bit more of the strength power, like type of athlete. And so you're transitioning into the endurance a little bit more as you continue to excel in OCR, but you've got so much time Yeah, because that's the thing with endurance. The longer you do it, (laughs) the better you get at it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just about putting in the hours and, um, to have, I'm fortunate to have a lower training age when it comes to that. So yeah, I I would hope you're right in that there's a lot of time and a lot of, um, room for growth. Yeah. So in college, as you mentioned, like you struggled to keep up with soccer for lots of different reasons. And I also just want to highlight how okay that is. And that when you stepped away and you gave yourself that space, you found something else that you loved and excelled at. Because I think it's really hard for people to step away or, you know, we feel like we're quitting or something like that. And that's not always the case. It's giving yourself the space and time to figure it out. And if it's not the right thing, when you say no to soccer, you say yes to something else, right? You said yes to OCR and where that's left you. Absolutely. Um, that was one of the hardest parts was kind of feeling like a quitter and feeling like I was letting a lot of people down. One of them being my dad, because he um, he was also a goalkeeper. He played for um, UConn and he kind of instilled that belief in me from an early age that I could go on to play college soccer if I wanted to. And he was never going to be the one to push me and force me to do it. But part of that drive to do it was to make him proud. And when I got there and just was miserable, I was just so in my own head and anxious and it just was a lot of pressure for me. And I found myself thinking like, 
hmm, maybe I can just suck it up and like suffer for four years. And uh, like, I was just trying to think of any way to like make it work. And that's not the way it should feel. And I kind of came around to that fact. And yeah, it, it was the right decision for me for sure. But it was it was a hard decision at the time. I felt I felt like I was letting the team down. I felt like I was a failure in that I wasn't reaching my potential in soccer. I was letting all my past coaches who told me you're going to be a star, <laughs> like like letting them down too. Um, my family, um, who was extremely supportive about the decision, but yeah, it's it's tough, but it is okay. And it is like you need to do what you need to do. And I wasn't even really thinking about this, but it's kind of relevant in right now because of the whole Simone Biles thing in the Olympics. She caught a lot of flack for looking out for herself. And that, I don't think that's fair. And I'm not by no means comparing myself to Simone Biles, but I can absolutely empathize with feeling like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders and really feeling trapped. Trapped was probably like the word that I would that that's like exactly how I felt pretty much. And it's not a good feeling. So And it can be dangerous. Oh, absolutely. It, I was in I was in a really bad headspace. And um fortunately my family recognized that and they knew that I like I needed something to change. And to anyone who ever feels that way or is feeling that way, you really do have to look out for yourself. And I mean, it really did lead me to one of the best, the best thing I have in my life. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was tough at the time. And it's still something that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if, but at the same time, it led to a totally different road that I can't imagine my life without. And that you enjoy so much. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And you, okay, so you already mentioned eating disorder mm-hmm. that you, you know, was definitely there in college. I'm curious though, Callie, <laughs> even though I know you, I don't, I'm one, I'm curious what you're going to say to this. At that time, would you have called it an eating disorder? I think I would have. I think I knew, to be honest. So um, I, it started in high school. I was, like I mentioned, I was playing competitive soccer for a while and I kind of got in in my head around, I think 10th grade that I should just train to get in better shape and do as much as I can. And yeah, just maybe lose a little bit of weight, uh, see where that gets me. A little bit of weight turned into a lot of weight and turned into a lot of compliments, turned into getting faster, turned into all this stuff, turned into tying my identity into being this, for my frame, extremely small athletic and muscly girl. And that kind of just put a cloud over the rest of my high school experience in terms of just, I was so rigid. I I woke up every day at five o'clock and did an insanity, high intensity interval training workout fasted, which (laughs) so bad. Um, Every single day, um, I skipped their rest days in the program. I skipped their rest weeks after you finish the program. And I repeated it like so many times I have like I can't even listen to the video anymore. Um, I get like anxious, but um, yeah, so I was rigid in that regard. I was definitely not eating enough and um, I knew something was up. I wasn't, I wasn't socially happy. I really didn't have a social life. I was anxious all the time. I was starving all the time. I was tired and going into college, it just got worse. So um I transitioned to um, preseason for soccer and my workout routine was completely disrupted. I had no control over the workouts I was being told to do. And that freaked the heck out of me. Everything had been so calculated and routine. So, and as a goalkeeper, we had less cardio than the field players. We had less of the training that I was used to doing. And that made me feel lazy. That made me, like I said, freak out pretty much. And it turned into sneaking in workouts whenever I could. I wasn't like, I was still eating and I was still eating. Not nothing that you would say I was intentionally starving myself, which I wasn't. I was just way under eating and I was focused on eating so clean and so light that it was certainly not enough for my schedule as a, an athlete with two practices a day, doing my own extra workouts walking at least, I would probably say four miles a day to and from classes because I refused to take the bus because I didn't want to be lazy. And BU's campus, I had like a two mile walk 
to class sometimes or more. So, um, yeah, there were a lot of things that added up to me doing way too much, eating way too little. And I knew it, but I feared looking different. I feared being viewed differently for not doing what I was doing. So it just continued. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how often I hear people say like, but I'm still eating or parents. If there's any parents listening to this episode that are trying to get help for their daughter, but they're like, but she eats, she eats, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, just counting your peas on your plate all the time, but we can way over exercise and under and under eat. And what you said too, just like eat quote healthy and clean and light. And it's like, so disguised, but it's, it's a form of an eating disorder for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of 2000 calories is not enough for somebody doing everything you just said. So on the outside, it's like, oh, but she's eating. We need to like stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And that was kind of just to emphasize my point that that part was less intentional to me. I thought that was the part where if you had asked me, like, are you, are you, starving yourself, I would have said no. Exactly. But I did know something was up because all I thought about was food and exercise and my body and not much else. Yeah. That's why I wanted to bring it up because that's what so many people like, it's like, but I'm not starving myself. But it's like, but you are, you're starving your body's cells compared to what they need, right? Yeah. And I can recall, um, well, for like I mentioned, I was hungry all the time and I, I, I would like count down in class when I could have that bar that was scheduled that I was going to eat before I go did an extra 30 minute, extremely hard run between classes and then my training later. So there was that, but also um, there were times that it would, I would have a cheat day and it was pretty out of control. Like I would eat to the point where I felt so sick, so full. I personally never purged, but there were those binges that I, I just recall like sitting there being like, I, I can't move. I'm so uncomfortable. I can't do anything. I'm so full. I feel gross. But getting to that point, there was just no stopping it. I was, I just wanted to eat anything and everything because I wasn't giving myself enough any other time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so many symptoms going on. You did know it was wrong, but weren't ready at that time, at least to change anything because of the fear of your body changing or your, maybe your identity even changing. You were so wrapped up in that. So I don't know if we're skipping ahead too many steps here, but you know, what made you reach out to me and, and why this might be a couple of years down the road compared to college, but yeah. Um, so I, uh, well, I guess I should say another reason I knew something was up in high school and college, but that didn't necessarily motivate me to change yet was I had been missing my period since 10th grade, basically like as soon as I started this whole thing. And I knew that was a red flag, but um, I had seen doctors who were like, Oh, you're just active. Maybe just try birth control instead. It'll regulate it, blah, 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 which I didn't want to do. So that was always lingering in the back of my mind, but it wasn't a priority to me. Eventually I was just so I was struggling so much in college and my parents came to visit every so often for games or whatever. And I remember them seeing me and being visibly scared. <laughs> you could see the the sadness and fear in their face. And they said, if you don't fix this, we're taking you home. And at that time I was still on the team and I didn't want to just like quit school for the year. So I was like, well, I guess I have to do something. And I was actually put on a weight gain diet by the um, the BU dietitian who was assigned to work with me. So I kind of stuck to that and uh, it didn't really address many of the issues I was having. It was more just like eat this many calories. It was a lot. It was like 4,000 calories or something. And I had no issue with that because I was so starving. Like that felt fine. And slowly just worked to put on weight. And what that, that freaked me out for sure. And I was obsessed with it being muscle or like staying as lean as I could while gaining this weight. It didn't fix any of the hormone issues I was having. 
didn't really fix me being hungry all the time. There were a lot of things it didn't address. So it kind of got to the point where that was the second semester of my freshman year. I kind of stuck with that for a bit, decided by the end of that year that I was not going to be returning to BU. I was going to take a gap year. And um, I felt like things were better. I was definitely eating more, maintaining my my weight on more calories as well. At this time, I was still tracking that kind of thing pretty religiously, which was another thing that I knew that was driving me nuts. So got into OCR and eventually did transfer schools, went to Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and um, finished out my studies there. But it wasn't until, yeah, like I think it was late 2019 that I first reached out to you. And then we started working together in 2020. Um, and that was because I was, I had actually been slowly gaining weight after a period of, a long period of maintenance. And uh, I had no idea why. I was eating probably less than when I first was maintaining after that weight gain diet way back. And I was working out more because I had switched to training for endurance. And I was freaking out because I was still starving all the time, gaining weight, didn't have a period, and still miserable in so many aspects just because of everything that was going on in my head with the obsessions with food, exercise, et cetera. And I was desperate. I was not happy with how my body was changing, especially for the fact that I had no results to show for it in that I wasn't hormonally healthy still. I thought maybe, oh, well, if I'm getting weight, I guess like that'll help with things. And it never did. So I was just really confused. And so, yeah, that's what prompted me to finally reach out to a qualified dietitian who could hopefully guide me in the right direction because I was um, at a loss. Yeah. Emphasis on the could hopefully because I know how scared you were when we started working together. I was. I remember our first few sessions and um, one of the first things you had me do was like stop tracking completely, um, which I had not fully done pretty much since 10th grade. So that's what I was... 15-ish then, and I was 24 or something, 23, 24 when I started working with you. So we're going on eight years of no period and completely like never having not tracked my food, entering it in this log and being so obsessive about it. So that was quite an ordeal. That was a big jump. And then, um, yeah, there was a lot of trust involved because for a while, things continued to go in that direction that I didn't necessarily want them to go. I was hoping, oh, I'll work with this dietitian. She'll be able to tell me like what to eat and like things will level out and then I'll, I'll lose this weight I've gained and maybe my hormones will get in check and it'll be smooth. Like that would be ideal. And it wasn't like that. So it was quite a, um, a nerve wracking start to things. Yeah. And I, I love how you're kind of describing your journey here, because there's a period of time where your parents, you know, were scared because of maybe how thin and unhealthy you looked kind of on that side of the spectrum. But then when you came to me, you were like, I've been gaining weight for years now. Mm -hmm. And yet nothing has improved. Like that's the one thing that's changed is I've gained weight, what I was told to gain and more. And yet I still don't have my period. I'm still obsessed around food. I, I like having these cycles too of feeling like I need to be on a diet and then I can't. And now I'm eating a lot of food all at once, like really all over the place. And so, yeah, the ideal thing that you would have liked in working together is <laughs> that all of that would, and, and involving weight loss, to be honest, like you, you wanted weight loss. And that was something that I couldn't promise you at that time, not in the 12 week program, because basically what had happened, Callie, is you had gained weight throughout those years, but you hadn't fixed energy deficiency, relative energy deficiency, nor had you fixed disordered eating habits. Yeah. And uh, I, I also recall one thing that also prompted me to work, uh, reach out to you was in trying to figure out all this stuff on my own a little bit, I decided to go see an endocrinologist who tested things, hormones looked okay. They had always looked okay, like maybe low side of normal or something like that. Nothing to suggest I needed a sort of any sort of medication or anything to fix things. So that was kind of a dead end. And then the endocrinologist said she didn't, she basically told me that, um, well, your 
your weight now is kind of normal for your frame. So I don't see an issue. And that wasn't my point. That was like things were changing when I had no intention to be changing them and they had been a different way before and something was off and I felt off. My training felt off. Everything did not feel good. Um, So to have her say that was so frustrating. Um, And then she actually recommended I go get a, an MRI of my brain because she was worried that my hypothalamus was just malfunctioning or had a tumor, which can happen. Yeah. So she was like, maybe that's just, maybe that's just what it is. Maybe you don't get your period because there's something in there, there's something wrong with that. And that returned no abnormality. So, which I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, I was like, then what the heck is going on? So yeah, I was, I was, uh, yeah, desperate. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I think this is such a good reminder for our listeners that it's not about your weight, which is so you have to retrain your brain on this. It's not about your weight. And that's why I'm working together. Like you, at the time when we started, you did want weight loss, but it was like the only way that would ever possibly happen is if we address the real issue, which is energy deficiency and disordered eating, right? And that's what we focused on. It was so hard. I know, actually, I should just ask you, what was the hardest part of working together? <laughs> uh, well, I remember a specific conversation we had in the beginning where, well, I guess we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I remember probably within within that 12-week time frame, I did get my first period back in eight years. In eight years. Yeah. And I remember being like, okay, well now we can like kickstart that weight loss <laughs> like process. And you were a little hesitant. We were like trying to figure out how things would work because I wasn't necessarily feeling, I was feeling way better about where I was hormonally and health wise, but that took a significant amount of more, like more weight gain. And so we were trying to figure out where we could find a good balance. And we ended up trying something where I ended up losing it again for a month. Mm-hmm. And you telling me, okay, well, first of all, your your body's probably just not ready for dropping down again. And at this point, it's about the long term or um, in the short term, you can do things to kind of have it be a band-aid, like 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 doctors have said, birth control or an estrogen patch or something like that. And that's kind of really addressing the problem, but it's or it's, it's addressing the symptom, not the the issue. And that was kind of my I remember thinking about it and being like, oh, but I just want to feel better now. I wanna I wanna feel more confident now. And I just thought about all the work I had already put into it and all the discomfort I had already experienced and decided to give the long-term path more of a shot. But that was a, that was a hard kind of um, like a quote unquote, come to Jesus moment. <laughs> just yeah. like, what am I going to do here? Um, and what's best for me in the long run? Can I suck it up in the meantime? Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. 
Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. So going back to the beginning of of this conversation where I said... I didn't want to do a testimonial right after 12 weeks for you because we did accomplish so many amazing things in working together. You, for the first time in eight years, restored a period. Mm -hmm. You were enjoying the food you were eating. Absolutely. You felt so much more freedom, mental freedom. You weren't tracking every bite. And I think you were on a path. You were also going through some coaching changes, but you were on a path of kind of understanding the importance of rest and recovery for your body in this process as well. And not just like exercise addiction, workout, workout, workout all the time and thinking more like a pro athlete that you are. So those are some of the, those are like amazing results that you saw in 12 weeks. But there was this one other big thing that you had wanted, which was I wanted weight loss and I've never preached to be a weight loss dietitian, but I did know how important this was for you and how important it was for your mental health and your body acceptance and body confidence. And so that's where it was like, we need to continue working together to let your body adjust. And yeah, it it was difficult because it was like, this isn't going to, not all of this will be fixed in 12 weeks. A crap ton will. (laughs) And it was, yeah. (laughs) And it was, but not everything. And so I think that was probably in me working with you was also the hardest part was focusing on the big picture. Yeah. Focusing on not the instant, you know, gratification. I, um, like just another kind of reference point is at this point, my weight had fluctuated close to 40 pounds, I think 40 something. So when you go from an unhealthy low to a high that you've never seen in your life, there's a lot of really uncomfortable feelings that come from that. And it affects your your um, performance in, in sport in certain ways. So like you, you have to feel out where your body feels best. So I definitely didn't feel best at that lowest weight. I felt weak all the time. I was not strong. I wasn't I wasn't energized at all, but we also got to the point where, and we had to do this. It was necessary where I really did focus on literally eating anything and everything I wanted. Um, it wasn't necessarily for performance. It was for health at the time and they can, they can intertwine. But at this point it was more just like, we literally had the plan of just like eat ice cream every night. Ice cream was my favorite (laughs) food. I've always been obsessed with it and I had never let myself have it, have it that often. And that kind of became one of our goals. And that was great for me mentally, physically, sometimes all that sugar isn't exactly like all that sugar at night, all that, you know, those extra yummy things. All, uh, all the yumminess that ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, you're not going to necessarily feel your best performance wise if that's what you're fueling on all the time. I still eat, incorporate ice cream in my diet, but I found eventually that the every night ice cream thing wasn't necessarily best for my training. So there was a lot of learning in that regard too. And just we, you had what I had to go through that, that, that hot, that weight high and that total food freedom, which was quite uncomfortable for sure to then realize the purpose of maybe a more performance tailored diet and, it was kind of like a reset. Like there, there was no getting to where I am now without it, without, yeah. Kind of going back to the beginning. And I think this is so important to highlight because although everybody is different, most people can rationalize and you could rationalize this at the time that ice cream every single night might not be best for my performance. But the issue was, and what I always told you is like, but if it's best for your health, then it is best for your performance. And, and that was the thing that we had to like, really, you had to go through it. You couldn't just rationally tell yourself, don't eat the ice cream every night. Because then when you didn't, you felt restricted. Or you did underfuel slightly. Or you mentally created this like dichotomy between, or this dissonance, not dichotomy using my, my D words, getting confused, <laughs> had this distance between like what you wanted to do, and what you felt you had to do. And that created just so much mental turmoil 
that worsen disordered eating behaviors. Yeah. Um, it didn't help also at the time that I had a coach kind of reinforcing those beliefs in me and kind of feeding me the idea that, yeah, a lot of the times health and performance don't go together and really toxic statements like that, that had me doubting whether the whole process was worth it. So that was, that was quite the, it kind of just felt like a leap of faith. Like I, I have to believe that health and performance can go together and will go together if I give it enough time, because what else am I doing this for? Mm -hmm. And, and that health comes first, right? You can't have performance without health. Yeah. Cause you're building a foundation on, or you're building a house on a cracked foundation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's such a good metaphor. Yeah. So, and I know, I don't know why I'm going to keep harping on this ice cream thing, but I'm going to. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I want to harp on it more is because for anybody listening, as I seriously feel you might have to go through it yourself. Like you can't just say like, oh, okay, like, so I could have ice cream every night, but it's not performance focused. Therefore, I won't. Like, if you for you to get to where Callie is, where she does not any longer feel the extreme need desire to have ice cream. Like you have such a good relationship with ice cream right now. You have it when you want it. You don't when you don't. You feel happy when you do. You don't feel deprived when you don't. Like that's the goal, and you can't just do that rationally. You have to go through the process yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it taught me how, how it's going to make me feel. And it also just gave me the chance to enjoy it for so long after not allowing myself to enjoy it for so long. And I'm not saying everything's perfect. And that when I'm given ice cream, I'm not tempted to like eat a ton of ice cream because who isn't tempted to eat a ton of ice cream past fullness, you know? So there, there are times when like, that's just what I choose to do. And cause it's just really good but it's not like it's always on my mind, literally just all the time. Like, Oh, I would just really want to eat something, something yummy, something fatty, greasy. Like it's not really like that. And there was a time when I thought it would always be like that. Mm -hmm. And learning your, your body, how your body responds to different foods, why your body physically, mentally, it, it then gives you the empowerment to like, decide what you want moving forward. Instead of just saying like, I, I should eat this because XYZ or I shouldn't eat that because XYZ. It's I'm choosing to do this because I know my body will respond. And it gave me another reason to make those choices besides just controlling my weight. So instead of, oh, I can't have this ice cream because it's going to make me gain weight. Sometimes it's, I, I don't really want to have this ice cream because I don't want to feel like kind of just lethargic and not maybe not sleep well, a little too much sugar in my system doesn't necessarily agree with me, that kind of thing. It's, it's a, again, it's, it's a health choice versus a restriction, a forced restriction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's your choice. Yeah. 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 So health first. And then based on that, it helps you figure out what am I going to eat and how am I going to fuel for performance? And, and with that health first too. So in our 12 weeks of working together in the female athlete system of transformation, you got rid of so many disordered eating behaviors, really found freedom and did get a period back. And that was over a year ago. But you willing to share with everybody about your menstrual cycle? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. I mean, uh, so there's still a lot of learning about it because I, I really didn't have it for long before I lost it for eight years. So, um, it's been almost, I think it's about a year and a half that it's been consistent and yeah, it's just because it happened during the pandemic too. I had never until this season raced in a state where I was having these like hormonal fluctuations and having a cycle. So it's been a lot of learning about how that cycle affects training and performance affects how you feel and training to that fueling to that cycle, which has been fascinating and enlightening and frustrating, but it feels good to know that just things are firing the right way and that nothing's being left on the table there because before it was just like, you're not going to get the maximal adaptations when your body's in a state where it's not hormonally functioning. So to know that that's not the issue anymore is really awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to maintain your periods consistently and then, you know, work with your coach and me because you're working with me and your, your coach on training to your cycle. Yeah. And then now late season picked back up this past spring and summer. And it's like, okay, now I'm competing with having normal menstrual cycles for over a year. My body's adapting to my training as it should be. And let's touch back on the weight concern a little bit. Throughout this time, your weight has changed again, right? Or anything, but <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. In the end, so I know I had said before, like fluctuations from like lowest to highest when I did get it back eventually was like roughly 40 pounds or so. And it ended up getting higher before it got lower to like a plus plus 50 pounds pretty much from like where I had been at like freshman year in college. So that's a that's a big number for anyone. And it was it was a lot to handle. And then you, I noticed, first of all, hunger cues coming back. So like, I wasn't drawn to just be eating so much anymore. I didn't get hungry all the time. I wasn't needing these bigger portions. So that kind of naturally takes care of itself a bit. And then just being able to like carry out a proper training cycle too, that affects the energy you're putting out. It kind of all came back to a place where things leveled out a bit. And then we felt like we were in a spot to see what would happen if we did do some more performance tailored nutrition and implement those kind of strategies to where it did come down to a place that it's been hovering around now for a while with kind of minimal effort in terms of what I need to do nutritionally and training wise. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hit on is that so many, because we mentioned that your body to restore its hormones, to, to fix its health foundation, to therefore work on its performance, weight gain was involved in that for you personally, but it didn't necessarily mean forever. Mm -hmm. Right. But also that there was nothing drastic we did. In fact, I kept having to pump the brakes on you (laughs) when you were like, I had like five periods in a row. Can I lose weight? Now it's like, just patience, patience, because it's gonna, your body's working better now. And that's exactly what happened. Your body worked better. Hormones were working better. Hunger signals were working better. Your relationship with food was just better. And so much happened just gradually and naturally that your weight settled at a much more comfortable, if I can be so bold to say, just a much more comfortable and appropriate place for you. And a place too where like, you know, your coaches or everybody's like you know, you're crushing your workouts, you're showing up to these competitions and winning, like everything's good. You know, your performance is there, right? That's when you came to work with me, it's like, and this is a lot of my clients too. We know health is important, but what we care about is performance. But as we've already said, health comes first to that. And so by taking the the long and maybe difficult journey and fixing your health, performance is what benefited at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a testament to the proper nutritional strategies and also finding a solid coach who implements the proper training strategies, because I can, I can see it through stats, through data that there are so many ways in which my fitness is better now, um, despite still carrying more weight than maybe I did before. And yeah, just with a functioning hormonal cycle. So for example, I remember so since having moved to Colorado, I did switch coaches and saw so many drastic changes in the way my heart rate would respond to things, the way things would feel on training runs. And I remember starting a run with a couple friends and we were just going for like a slow, slow warm up before a tempo that I had. And we were jogging at probably like a nine minute per mile pace. And I remember this is in Colorado now. So this is at probably around 5,000 feet in altitude. And just that year prior, I had been living at sea level and running my easy runs at like 1030 pace, struggling to keep my heart rate down, feeling like death the whole time. My legs just felt like lead. I couldn't breathe. And I wasn't even hitting my target heart rates because it was just like 
the body wasn't having it. And then to have this warm up start at nine minute pace, 5,000 feet above sea level. And I had, I've worn, I've done gone by heart rate for a long time. So I wear a chest strap and everything. And my heart rate was almost 30 beats lower <laughs> at a minute and a half faster pace. And I remember being able to talk with my friends, my legs felt light. And I was like, so this is what easy running feels like. I had never really felt it before because I went into OCR and endurance training in this state of just like completely depleted hormones out of whack, everything. So I really had never known what it was like to run at a heart rate that low. And this was at a pace that felt like impossible in the year prior. And that was with all the things we worked on. That was with um, having the proper guidance and yeah, just going through all the changes that I needed to go through to kind of make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing just to be able to be, Oh, this is what an easy run is supposed to feel like. Yeah, I was like, Oh, I can actually talk and like, enjoy, look around, just kind of shuffling along. And I'm not like huffing and puffing and my legs are burning already. And this is, I can't wait for this to be over. Like, yeah. 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 Coaches are always prescribing easy runs. And if you have no clue what that feels like, maybe something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good indication that maybe something needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope for our listeners, this has painted like a, a pretty good picture of kind of your whole journey. And I think another message that you and I have talked about a lot, you know, we already mentioned, like you can have health and performance at the same time. And that's where I think you're really at right now, right? You, I think from a health standpoint, you check out, you know, you're, you're good to go. Like when, whereas when I met you, I was like, oh no, we, you know, we've got some health issues, right? And, and so like, yeah, you, you, what, how do the doctors say it's a clean bill of health? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've got that. And now, like I was saying, performances, you've got a huge national championship coming up in September. Am I right? For High Rocks? Yeah. So, um, I did qualify for the High Rocks World Championships in Germany, um, in September. Yeah. After, well, that's another thing too, is High Rocks is one race where you, it's very standardized. It's indoors and it's run around a track with the same weights and stations every time. Those who don't know about it, definitely look into it. It's a really fun competition, but just even to get an idea of what it is, um, they have it uh, up online. So, but it's very easy to track improvements because it's a standardized event. So before I was working with you, my PR in the event was a one one hour and 18 minutes and something seconds. And uh, in my first one back after working with you, I PR'd by uh, three minutes and feel like rate of perceived exertion was probably like an eight and a half versus like in the one I did where it was one hour and 18 minutes. I was dying the whole time and I was so dead after. And I kind of just went into this one right after the pandemic with the idea of like, okay, let's just see where I'm at. Yeah, first go conservative to start. Yeah, go conservative to start. I'm just curious as to what's going to happen. And to have that result was really validating just because it showed me that with everything that had changed with all the work I had done, okay, maybe there is something to all of that that I put into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I PR'd again at Chicago in June, um, just continuing on the training and training a little more specifically, which then did qualify me for the championships, which is, which is how we got on this topic anyway. So yeah. 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 yeah so right. After all that work you put in, because that's where your issues post-college was like, okay, listen to the dietitian. I gained weight, but my work hasn't paid off. And that's, I think where your story kind of has hit this, like, maybe, I'm, I don't know if it's cynical, but just like a good spot where it's like, it's paying off. We have the proof now that you're back in competitions. It's, we have the proof of your health. And now we have the proof of your performances, hitting PRs and going to big events and races again and winning and things like that. It's just, it's like, okay, it was, it was all worth it. Yeah. Right. I will, a little disclaimer. Um, I did say I just PR'd at uh, Chicago that's a mental block in my head. So I would have PR'd if I didn't run an extra lap and I keep thinking about that. So, but anyway, that was just to prove the point that like fitness continued to improve. So uh, I, I don't want people to think I'm lying there, but. Um, That's hilarious. You ran an extra lap. Yeah. <laughs> the event is such that like, you kind of do have to keep track of how many laps you're running. And I was nervous that I 
didn't keep track right. So I was like, I I should probably run this because otherwise the penalty will be much longer than not running the extra lap. So, um, but yeah, if you subtract that extra lap out of it, it would have been another PR. Um, but I, I forgot about that. So I wanted to clarify. Um, but yeah, no, it's just been very validating to see things trend in the right direction after having been stagnant or even regressing for so long. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for your honesty in sharing like this journey. And you've actually, you've been great, like on your personal Instagram account too, of of sharing bits about this over the past year or so. Um, And yeah, I think that's, that's been really great too. I know it's hard to speak out about these things, but, and this transparency in your entire journey is really appreciated. Oh, thank you. I, um, yeah, it came to a point where I was like, dang, this sucks. I don't there like in when I was in it I didn't really know how things were going to go but I I've always kind of been the person to vent at least to someone and I figured if I could put it out there maybe someone else who was going through something similar would see it cuz I just thought back to myself and how desperate I was to know what the heck was going on with me and I could I couldn't find anything on other people dealing with this so I just figured well maybe someone else out there will res- it will resonate with them this helps me because i just get to like put things out there and kind of explain my situation so i'm happy to continue sharing about it in any way possible and i um i enjoy doing so so thank you for having me on here yeah yeah and it's just it's so exciting for you too because i another reason that i was so thrilled to work with you is because i felt like i don't know if i'm going to say this the right way but like <laughs> Because you did have a lot of problems, but (laughs) we were going to fix this before more of a problem happened. You know what I mean? Like before you just couldn't compete anymore, before you had major injuries or bone injuries, before this was the sad story of the girl who at 21 was phenomenal and then what happened to her, you know, like now that that you fix this and you're speaking out about it and you fix this for yourself, you're going to have just such a great career ahead of you. You know, you are, you already do, but it's like, you can do this for as long as you want now, you know, seeing success for as long as you want. Right. And that's so exciting about you seeing the big picture at such a young age and then being willing to share that with other people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I just, uh, I didn't want to sacrifice any potential future success for maybe just to just to be a flash in the pan, even though it's it's always tempting. Um, Sometimes it can still be tempting sometimes with with messaging these days and everything that's out there and constant self-comparison. There's a lot of times where thoughts cross my mind about, oh, well, if I was just lighter and then I have to stop myself um, because that's just a short shortcut. It's a short-term solution. And obviously through my situation, I learned that there are consequences to that, that detract from everything I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, per traditional podcast uh, episodes, we're going to do rapid fire questions. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have any final words or messages you want to share. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, um, First of all, I, at this point, it's like so cheesy, but I can't like imagine my life without having worked with you. Um, it really was completely life changing. And it's crazy to look back on the journey. And I'm really excited to I still fully intend on continuing to work with you because I find your counsel so useful. Um, so, yeah, I just I'm excited to see where that goes in the future, too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Callie. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, we're still working together because now we get to really what you always wanted performance. We're really working on that. We're really doing that. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's awesome to have someone who I trust so much, obviously just, and who knows what she's doing, um, to like, uh, bounce ideas off of, uh, bounce ideas off of, to, um, ask specific questions about fueling, prepping for different races, everything like that. So it's really, I feel very fortunate to have someone in my corner. Like, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I'm, I'm just 
so glad to be in your corner. Now I just really need to get in your corner physically in one of your races. Oh, that'd be so fun to have you. Yeah. I know. We've yet to actually meet in person, which is so crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. I know. And there was a time that you were in Texas for a race and I was like gone that weekend or something. I know. (laughs) I know. Like it's, hopefully it'll happen very soon. It, it will happen. My sister lives in Colorado. So eventually, okay. I will get out there and visit her and you at the same time. Yes. This is so crazy. All right. Rapid fire questions, Callie. I'm sorry. I'm laughing as I'm asking this. <laughs> I'm just already imagining the answer, but okay. I don't know. Um, if there's one food you could eat every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what oh, would it God. be? It would have to be either pizza or ice cream. Yeah. That's literally. I don't, I've never gotten sick of these. (laughs) Yeah. Those would be the two things. Yep. Yep. And and we talk about pizza and ice cream so much. They have (laughs) come up in like every session we've ever had. Every every (laughs) session. It's the favorite part about our sessions when we Mm -hmm. talk about pizza. (laughs) So good. Next question. Favorite sport to participate in? uh, Obstacle horse racing for sure. For sure. Yeah. You found your sweet spot. You found your home there. How about as a spectator? Sometimes that's different for people. Ooh, I love watching a good football game on TV. In person, I love watching soccer. Ooh, yeah, there are a lot of sports I really enjoy watching. I really just don't like watching hockey because I can't see the puck. So, (laughs) and baseball, I'm sorry, but baseball and softball are so boring to me. (laughs) I love hockey, but I totally understand. Yeah, the the puck, it it goes so fast. I can't keep track. No, it's very, very difficult. (laughs) So fo- football and soccer as a spectator, awesome. And then Callie, if there's a female athlete out there, professional, recreational, someone you're friends with, um, that you want to give a shout out to for being really inspiring or maybe um, fierce and fueled, as we say here. Oh boy. Who would that be? Oh, there are so many women in the sport of obstacle course racing uh, that have shown me so much about nutrition and fueling and like really listening to your body in that regard. Oh boy. So I mean, and they're all like my close friends, which I'm so grateful for. And they seeing that actually also motivated me to try and fix my own issues. Um, so one person that comes to mind is, um, Lindsay Webster. If, if you know, OCR, you know, Lindsay, she's, she's a world champion. She's extremely consistent. She's crushing it this year. She, um, but I've had the, the, what's the word? Uh, the privilege of getting to know her well and spending some time with her, uh, like in a little training camp, things like that. And being able to watch how she approaches fueling and food and listening to her body, um, was my like revolutionary for me in that we have this extremely high performing athlete who really just eats to fuel and enjoys all of her food. She loves to bake and actually wants to open a bakery when she's done (laughs) racing, I believe. So she's not has, she's not hesitant when it comes to treats, when it comes to chocolate, all these things that for so long people are led to believe you they're off limits. So to see that such a holistic approach, she's been an amazing role model for me. So yeah, she's one that comes to mind. And yeah, I have other close friends who also race in the sport that have taught me so much when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So shout out to Lindsay Webster and, and a huge shout out to you, Callie, for, for truly being what I love to call, as you, as you said, fierce fit and fueled for overcoming all of the, your mindset struggles and learning to truly fuel your body to be your best self in health and in performance. So I'm just, so excited to keep watching, working with you, watching your journey in OCR. And thank you for sharing the story. Thank you so much, Lindsay. It's been awesome. And like I said, I can't thank you enough. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and thanks for listening. But before I let you go, I have free resources that you can have access to right away, right now, so that you can start fueling your body as a fierce, fit and fueled female athlete. First, I have your Red S recovery race. If you've ever wondered if you might be struggling with Red S, curious to learn more, or know you have Red S and are looking to recover fast, then you can head to www.riseupnutritionrun.com slash Red S and download the Red S recovery race. See how you place and figure out the next steps to recovery. Plus, while there, I have a few other great resources for you, including three nutrition secrets that every elite athlete swears by 
and access to our private Facebook community, Female Athlete Nutrition. So again, to gain access to all of this, head to riseupnutritionrun.com slash red S that's backslash R E D S. And you can gain access and get the help you need fast. Too many girls and women and female athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. Become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and I'll see you next time.